Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You guys can be seated if you can, if you can. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Well, buenos dias a todos. Amen. It's good to see you guys this morning. Good to be seen. I am going to be preaching from the Word of God. Surprise! (laughs) Praise God. If you guys will, give me a moment of your time today. Uh, I just want to go over some scripture, and I know you will be encouraged by it, praise God, because that's what the Word of God does for us. It is spirit, and it is life. Amen. So if you will, turn with me the book of Luke, the 18th chapter. We'll start at verse 10. Amen. Two men went up to pray. Excuse me. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with Himself. Let me, let me just want you to understand this. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank you that I am not like that other man. He's an extortioner. He's unjust. He's an adulterer or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes to all that I possess. And the tax collector standing far off would not so as much as raise his eyes to heaven, but he beat his chest saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to the house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Amen. So today's sermon is more about a thought. Hoy nuestro sermon es más sobre en pensamiento. Gracias. One that comes to mind for me, uno que me vino a la mente, after reading and studying this set of scripture, estas escrituras, looking at the scriptures, we see two men. Dos hombres that went to the house of the Lord. Que fue a la casa de Dios. We see the prayers of the Pharisee and then the prayers of the tax collector. And after pondering these two men, I asked myself this question. Me hice esta pregunta. 
¿Por qué vienes a la iglesia? Why do you come to church? Now in this parable, we see that there's a Pharisee and a tax collector both went to the temple in Jerusalem to pray. So let me, let me give you this, this vision. So we have here in Susun two different kind of people that come to the building to pray. But when you, when you look at their actions and their attitudes, you discover they went for two different reasons. Why did you come to church today? Number one, did you come to be seen? Obviously, the Pharisee was at the temple for others to see how uh, extravagant he was. And, and to him, coming to church is a, a public uh, performance, and his behavior at the temple was just a part of the script. He had given much thought about what he would wear this morning, where he would stand, where he would sit, what he would say, because there is an audience at church. You guys, you guys know that, don't you? When he arrived, he walked up to the front and stood before the people in his flowing robe with an ornate prayer shawl and the Pharisees wore, you know, these, these nice little get-ups because, you know, how people dress sometimes for church. The words that he prayed were not really directed towards God. As I said earlier, he said that he prayed for himself or by himself. He was there to be seen and to be heard by other worshipers. Jesus warned us about this kind of behavior in Matthew chapter 6. He says, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you that they've had their reward. Now, that scripture, just you sit down and think about it. Well, praying is good. Praying is definitely good. But are you praying just to be praying so that people are hearing you instead of you praying to God and not praying for people to hear you pray? There's a difference. When you are preparing to come to church, are you thinking more about who will be there or who's going to see you than you connecting with God? Do you choose what you're going to wear based upon what other people think about you? I know you can't believe it, but some people actually come to church because they think it will help them in their business. It'll help them in politics. It will improve their social standings. They want likes. But answer honestly, why do you attend church? It's a question that we all have to ask ourselves. We all struggle with the temptation of trying to please each other. Amen. A lot of us, you know, the Bible tells us about that. Uh, the Bible tells us about the, the, the snare of a man. Uh, the, what is it? Say it loud. The fear of man is a snare. But even during our prayer time, I constantly, personally, I, I constantly try to focus on just speaking to God than rather using a prayer as a little sermonette. You, got, you guys with me on this? You know, we sit around and somebody comes and you says, hey, come and pray. And what we end up doing is, you guys, 
what we end up doing is we'll stand there and we'll start to say, you know, uh, things that sound so profound and prolific. And, and they, because I want people to understand that I got, I know some words that, that really uh, make you sound real spiritual. And you give a nice little sermon, you know, Lord, help us do this as we go forward and yon beyond her, and that thy this and thine's that and then that thine and thine and this and this on today. We, we must guard against praying so that others will be impressed. Prayer should always, listen, prayer should always be directed towards God, not towards men. Even if I'm praying for you, I should be praying to God for you. Not praying to you for God, it's praying to God about you. I love using this example because I want you to understand about sometimes we pray just so other people can hear us. We'll sit in, in prayer circles and then it's somebody's turn and, and oh God, we thank you on today. Lord, we thank you what you're doing for us on today. <laughs> Anoint us right now, God. Give us the power. To, some of y'all understand that. You guys know where I'm going. There's nothing wrong with that, but I want to give you an example of when we pray, we're really, sometimes we pray not that God hears us, but that others can hear us. So this was years ago, and I remember my, my father-in-law lives down. He, he's downstairs. We're upstairs, and it was uh, right before Judah's uh, birthday. And we were getting ready to pray, pray with him. And we were sitting there, and Judah, great prayer. He can pray, and he starts praying. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for dying on the cross for us. And Lord, I thank you um, that, uh, and all of a sudden, he started getting louder. God, I thank you that you watched after me. And God, I thank you that I've been doing really good. Lord, and please, if it's in your will, please, good Lord, give me an Xbox One. I ask and beg you, Lord, please give me an Xbox One. So you guys know Pastor Kaya. She don't don't play that kind of stuff. She looks at him. She goes, Judah, why are you praying so loud? God can hear you. Judah goes, I know God can hear me, but I want to make sure that Papa can hear me, too. That's how we pray sometimes. And saints of God, this is not even about what I'm about to say, but you know, sometimes people will get in prayer circles and expose their business to try to pull on your heartstrings. It's like, Lord, if, if you be willing, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that, that, that you, know, you have given me the power to obtain wealth and, and that you will send a blessing on my way. Somebody's sitting there going, oh, I think I heard from the Lord. You know what? The Lord was telling me to give you $100. You know what that's called? Witchcraft. Manipulation. Spells. Disguised as prayers. Mm. Now, the tax collector represents another reason why you might be here today. Did you come today to seek God? 
that's pretty a, a great time for you to go, yes, I came to see God. <laughs> Listen to the difference. The tax collector showed up because he was in trouble and he believed God could help him. His body, his body language revealed his sense of unworthiness. He couldn't walk to the front of the crowd. Instead, he kept his distance. He wanted to stay away from the, the, the church folk, per se. He didn't focus on other people there. He focused on God. Come on, saints. Sometimes we're so focused on a whole bunch of stuff instead of focusing on what we came here for, to give God glory and praise. Yes, I, I love the lights and the screens and all that other stuff, but sometimes it can be distracting. When we come to church, we come to church not because we want to see all the great singing and the great preaching, if I say so myself, but it, it, there, there, there's a time, you guys, that we need to just get everything out of our minds and our heads and stuff that's going on for us to get in, in front of God and say, God, I am a sinner. Listen, worship does involve an audience, but it's an audience of one. There could be 100, 150 people here today, but really what it should be is an audience of one. I don't care what so-and-so's thinking about or talking about to the left or to the right of me. I'm here to get before God in the presence of the Lord to get the help that I need. When we come to church, we should be primarily concerned about seeking God's face. You may receive the applause of men, but you should be deaf to it. You should be, you should be listening only for the applause of the nail-scarred hands. Why did you come to church? Is it just a habit for you? Is it part of your weekend routine? Perhaps you, you came because your parents, young people, your parents or, or, or your spouses pressured you into coming. Or maybe you feel guilty if you didn't come. Well, I better go to church because I've been sinning all week, getting a fresh start on Sunday. Or did you come seeking to connect with an almighty God, the creator of all the heavens and all the earths? God says in Jeremiah 29 and 13, if you seek me, you will find me. And when you search for me with all your heart, he says, you will find me if you, if you seek me with all of your heart. When you're coming to church, what are you seeking for? Don't you want to be changed? I know I want to be changed. Just to let you guys know, just as a pastor, I, I want change too in my own life. Some people may come seeking God, but our, our half-hearted worship becomes a hindrance. I recently read this letter on the internet, and it was written by a teenager. And young people, I want you guys to hear this. I want you to hear this very closely. This young lady had a correspondence, and it scares the life out of me. And this is what a young girl wrote. She says, Dear Kathy, I attended your church yesterday, although you had invited me, you weren't there. So I sat alone. 
Sitting down, a lady came up to me and informed me that I was in her seat. I was so embarrassed because I didn't know some of the seats were reserved. Finally, I climbed over some people uh, hugging the aisle and found another seat. During the singing, you know she said during the singing, not the worship. During the singing, I was surprised to know that some of the church people weren't even singing at all. Instead, they looked around, just stared in the space. The pastor's speech was interesting, although some members didn't seem to think so. They looked bored, restless, and I re recognized that some of my own classmates, a few pews in front of me, but they were giggling and passing notes. I thought, how rude. The speaker talked about the reality of faith which I decided I didn't have enough of. The message really got to me, and I thought about walking forward, but I was unsure. I saw some people walking out before the service was over, so I figured it must not be too important to stay to the end. So I slipped out too. As I left, I said good morning to a couple, of, to a couple but they were in such a hurry, they must not have heard me speak to them. My parents don't go to church. I came alone yesterday hoping to find a place to truly worship and find some love. I'm sorry, but I didn't find it in your church. When I read this, I said, please, God, don't let that be the Building Christian Fellowship. And honestly, just reading this letter of this young lady, it makes me sit down and think, why do you come to church? Are you one of those people that are just sitting here like, or are you worshiping a holy God? Young people, you're running around here and you're so busy uh, wanting the applause of your friends and what you're looking like and everything else. You're passing notes and doing stuff like that. Why did you come to church? The next question I'd like to you guys, the answer is this. What is your attitude in church? In the parable, Jesus showed two totally different attitudes people can display in worship. The Pharisee represented an attitude that said, I am proud of my godliness. In some instances, pride could be a good thing. Amen? Amen. It's okay to say you're proud to be American. You're proud to be uh, African-American. You're proud to be a Latino. You're, you're, you're proud to be whatever, proud, whatever it is. It's okay to say that you're proud about that. But the Bible warns against these kind of dangers about pride. Self-love, egotism, and arrogance. This kind of pride is revealed in the prayer of the Pharisee. He wanted others to know about his goodness. So he bragged that he fasted. He bragged that he's a tither. He bragged that he kept all the commandments and all of God's laws. Now listen, here's how you can recognize if you have pride in your heart. I wish you guys were taking notes. Pride loves to talk about I. Watch this. In verse 11, the Pharisee used I and me several times. He said this, I thank you that I am not the other of other men. I fast twice a week and I give a tithe of I get. Those 
are all good things to do. Yes, you should pay your tithes. Yes, you should pay your tithes. Yes, you should tithe. Yes, you should give. Yes, you should come to church. <laughs> but if you're doing it because you think you're going to get into heaven or make you or it makes you uh, look that you appear to be better than others, those things have become dangerous to you. The Bible says pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. You guys know that in Isaiah chapter 14, that there was a guy, he was an angel, he was a beautiful angel. He had a problem with what he felt. He said, I'm going to lift my throne above God's throne. Isaiah 14, 30 says, for you have said in your heart, I will ascend into the heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the furthest side of the north. But God said, <clears throat> uh, no, Lucifer. <laughs> You're going down. Yes, that's really what pride is. Reflecting the ego of the devil. Just as a side note, just to help you guys out, I'm a, you know, we talk about men and, and what men represent in family and even in church, whether you're a father, you're not a father. I want to share something with you. Do you guys realize this? A lot, of, a lot of theologians don't put this together, that Lucifer was in charge of the third, a third of the angels. So you had Michael, you had Lucifer, and you had Gabriel. So each one of them had a charge of all three. So Lucifer had a third of angels with him. He was in charge of them. When he decided to try to lift up, first of all, in, in, in uh, Isaiah 14 and 13, he said in his heart, he didn't even do anything. He just was a thought. Do you guys know that's where sin begins? In your heart. That's why Jesus said, if you even think about doing it, you've already done it. So Lucifer thought about, man, this is what I want to do. God knew his thoughts, thought, his thoughts, his thoughts. Watch this. So when he was cast down, do you realize that everything, the, every, the third of the angels were cast down with him? He had authority over a third of the angels. Men of God, you running around here acting all crazy and disobedient and all this other stuff, do you realize that you could be taking your family down with you because you're an authority? You guys hear me, men of God? Because you are full of pride and you are arrogant. You, you sitting down wondering what's going on with your family. It's because you're taking them down into destruction. Men of God, be men of God. Surrender yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. that stuff out of you because you don't want to you don't want to be like Lucifer and be cast down and not only you your children because you guys you guys understand and, and I don't have time to even talk about this but do you realize that general generational curses will keep going on and on and on and on in your life People, yeah man you know uh my daddy was a rolling stone 
Wherever ladies, he left his hat. Never mind. <laughs> Some people are the happiest when they can talk about themselves. That's often a marker that they have a problem with pride. <laughs> Someone has said, pride is the only sickness everyone could recognize except for the person who has it. Kind of like you guys, don't look left, don't look right. Just look at me when I say this. You got that one friend that always got bad breath. You got, you got that friend that got bad breath, and it's like, man, why don't you understand? Why don't you even realize that your breath is that bad? You guys know what I'm talking about. The going that gets in the car with you, and you always roll the window down. Why don't they realize that? Pride is the same way. I don't even know why you guys even hang around with people full of pride. You guys, you guys, you guys getting, I mean, I can, I'm trying to be funny, but I'm trying to be realistic here. When you see people that are so full of pride, you get blinded by their pride, and then you'll start following them, kind of like Lucifer. We follow after the devil and we don't even realize it. We like all the lies that he tells us. We go the direction that he goes to. He, he's, not, he's not worried about, I mean, he's, he's not worried about your, what you're going to do uh, with God. He's just worried about what you're going to do for him. Follow me. Pride sees the fault in others. Did you notice that the Pharisee, did you realize that the Pharisee was quick to criticize and condemn the tax collector? Pride blinds a person to their own faults and magnifies the failures and faults of other people. When you compare yourself to someone else, you're using the wrong standard. God's standard is Jesus. How do you measure up to him? God doesn't grade us on a curve. It doesn't matter if you are a little better uh, than average, uh, uh, average church attender. God doesn't sit down and go, well, okay, it's going to be okay for him. or be No, the standard is righteousness. The standard is sanctification. The standard is holiness. But there's another attitude expressed in the church that we need to learn from, and that's from the tax collector. He displayed an attitude that said this, I desperately need God's mercy. The tax collector, he couldn't even lift up his head. Now, just to let you guys know, do you guys realize that, that, a, that a Jewish or an Israelite tax collector was lower than anything to a Jewish person that was out there? They were considered enemies to their own people. Did you guys realize that? They even, th they even called um, Samaritans, they called them dogs. But what's lower than a dog? A tax collector. 
But here is the tax collector that says, God, show mercy on them to me. Please. He couldn't even lift up his head. He pounded on his chest in a spontaneous gesture of his agony over sin. He uttered seven simple words with a voice broken with emotion. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He literally said, be merciful to me, the sinner, as if I considered myself to be a chief of all the sinners. You guys don't have to pray long, eloquent prayers full of religious words. If you pray a simple prayer that comes from your heart, God hears you and he will answer you. When the tax collector caught a glimpse of the greatness and holiness of God, he realized how dirty and how filthy he was. The Bible even says it in Isaiah, it says, all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. When you begin to see God for who he is in your life, then you'll be able to see for yourself who you really are. A fallen, despicable creature in need of a holy God full of mercy and full of forgiveness. Now that right there will humble you in a, in a hurry. So was that your attitude? Have you come to a place in life where you know that you can't make it another moment without Jesus Christ? The real test of being in the presence of God is you either forget about yourself altogether or you see yourself as small, dirty, a small, dirty object. But it's better to forget about yourself altogether. Now, as I begin to close, my final question for you is this. How will you go home today? In the parable, Jesus said, only one of the two men went home justified. That word justified is a great word in the Bible. It means right with God. The only way you could be right with God is to receive his mercy and his forgiveness. Whenever I read the word justified in the New Testament, I rejoice because God treats me just as if I'd never sinned. <laughs> just as if I never sinned. In verse 14, Jesus summarized the main principle of this whole parable. He who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Don't be walking around with your nose up in the air because you think you got it all together. Because you don't. None of us do. None of us do. And I don't, I don't care how long you've been saved. We are still, still in need of a Savior. I need saving every day. I'm talking about myself. I'm not even talking about y'all. I'm talking about I need God's mercy every day. That's why the Bible says that he gives us mercy every day. He renews our mercy. Last night I went to bed bankrupt on mercy. But he renews his grace and his mercy for us every morning. Will you go home today basically in two conditions, one or two conditions? 
You may go home unchanged, just like the Pharisee. You may go home like this Sunday and be like, man, that was a good word. It was good this, it was good that. But you ain't changed nothing in your life. Like I said earlier, I said, I want to be changed. God addresses this problem with, he calls it superficial religion. Religion doesn't get you right with God. What happens with us is, is at church, this is what the Lord said in Isaiah chapter 29 and 13. He says, the Lord says this, these people come to honor me with their words, but I'm not really important to them. They worship, they give me, their worship they give me is nothing but human rules they have memorized. Religion will clean you up on the outside, but Jesus can only clean you up on the inside. So today, I hope you go home the same way the tax collector did. That's unburdened. Right with God and thankful for it. Jesus said the bad guy, not the respectable, not the religious Pharisee, went home justified with God. He entered the church so burdened down by his sin, he couldn't even lift up his head. But when we cry out for the mercy of God, he experienced the freedom and the liberation of his forgiveness. He hadn't done anything to deserve it. You can't earn it. Because what we all deserve is death. But God says, I will give you mercy and forgiveness and I will give you grace. You didn't deserve it, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. And all that the tax collector did could do was to thank God. Maybe you're here today and you feel a little out of place because you're not really a religious person. In fact, you have done some dumb things and have messed up in your way in life. Congratulations. Just like the tax tax collector, you are the best candidate for salvation. The hardest people to be saved are those church attenders who think their goodness makes them VIPs with God. The, The easiest person to be saved is the one who will admit to God that he has sinned royally and has to have his mercy or he's going to be a goner. Saints of God, you must approach God with humility. If you want to receive his forgiveness, you can't strut in the presence of God thinking that you got it all together, bragging about how nice you are. The doorway of salvation is open for you today, but it's a doorway of humility. You can't approach God on the basis of your parents' salvation. You must do it alone. You can't do it for your mom or what your mom did or your dad. You got to do it for yourself. And to receive his mercy and forgiveness, you must humble yourself and bow down before him. Would you like to find God's mercy today? 
Will you humble yourself and admit that you are a sinner? There was a man that sinned against God, but later was known to be a, a man after God's own heart. And that was King David. He prayed in Psalms 51, 1 and 2, says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquities and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. How will you leave church today? Unchanged or burden-free? Amen? Amen. Stand to your feet. Thank you, Jesus. I know in this day and age, it's, it's not popular to preach the gospel. Sounds a little weird for a pastor to say that, especially in a day and age when everybody wants to be blessed and they want the things of this world. But guess what? At the end of the day, you're going to leave out of here with nothing except for salvation. You, you, can't, you can't keep it here. When you leave this earth, you're leaving alone. So the best thing that I could ever do, I don't want to be an enemy to you. I want to be a friend to you and tell you that Jesus Christ came into this world and died for your sins. And if you believe on him, the son of God, and you receive him in your heart, he said you will have everlasting life. So if you're in here today and you said, you know what? I, I've, I've probably heard a whole lot of stuff about Jesus and, and, and we, we live in a digital age. You've heard all kinds of stuff and other stuff that people have said, but I want to challenge you with this. The Building Christian Fellowship is determined to do the great commission of God and that is to preach the word to make disciples to all nations, baptizing them. And that's what we want to do. I don't want to leave you out here hopeless. We have growth groups that you can get into. You have a place to come and call home. People that you can, can rely upon and call family. God calls us to be together and do life together. So if you're here today and you say, today I want to give my life to Christ, and you may not even know what that means. I just know that I'm a sinner. You know, if you're that person says, I know I'm a sinner, but I want to move forward with the relationship with Christ. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand today. Say, I want to give my life to Christ. If you're that tax collector that's beating on your chest, say, God, I, I, I'm in need of a Savior. If that's you, just raise your hand right where you're at. Just raise it up high so I can see it. Praise God. Well, maybe you're in here today and you're, you're still, maybe you're a little shy or you don't know what to do. It's fine. It's okay. 
when you leave out of this sanctuary and you, you have some questions, we have a connections table out, outside. We have people there to serve you. So what does this mean? What does it mean to be saved? Maybe you want some more, some more uh, information about that. Please stop by and see, see us at the connections booth. We would love to pray for you. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Have all minds cleared? Praise God. You guys pray with me. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. Lord, we will take the word that we heard today and hide it in our hearts that we might not sin against you. Lord, I thank you also, Lord, that you've allowed us by your spirit to see ourselves, that our righteousness is as a filthy rag compared to your righteousness, but you have made us righteous through your son, Jesus Christ. And God, I thank you that we are growing in relationship with you and that you didn't leave us nor forsake us in those places that we were in, Lord, that you are growing us to be better, to be stronger. So we thank you for that. Lord, as we leave this place, you said that you would never leave us nor forsake us. Give us traveling mercies to get to our places appointed. Lord, we thank you. We love you. We bless you. In the mighty, magnificent, and matchless name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And the church said amen. 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 You guys go with God. God bless you.